Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. All right, everybody, we are back in the studio. I just want to start off by thanking all of our listeners. Like, it just blows my mind. We've been doing this for a couple of years, and just the response has been fantastic. Thank you guys for downloading this on any major podcast platform. Thank you for sharing this with your friend, talking to your coworkers about this. I just, my gratitude today is off the charts. I, I really appreciate it. Let's get to it. For today's episode, I brought on clinical social worker, Stacy Later. Stacy's coming on to talk to us about risk factors and warning signs of suicide. And I think she might have a little bit of a journey of her own. Before we get to that, though, episode 74 is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where they are ready to help you or a loved one as soon as you're ready to get help. Get help by reaching out to them at 801-800-8142. Or you can go to their website. That's www.com stepsrc.com. Is that HTTP or HTTPS? Um, no idea. Okay. Continue. Do we not say the www dot anymore? Don't say www. Oh, okay. okay. It's, it, there's more syllables in www than World Wide Web. <laughs> okay, the abbreviation is longer than the actual verbiage. Fantastic. Thank you for that. So the website is? Stepsrc.com. Boom. Boom. And Sean Denovan, the beautiful voice in the mic, it has it pulled up. So you can also go on there and you can live chat with, with Micah. And, and anyways, again, if you or a loved one need help, please reach out to them. They are a fantastic facility. They have detox, inpatient, outpatient, uh, from start to finish. They are there. Do you have any experience with steps, Stacy? I've done the 12 steps in groups and meetings before. But the actual yeah. treatment center, do oh, you have? No, <clears throat> no, I have not. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. They're <laughs> fantastic. Well, let's go ahead and get to it. We always start off with new and goods. New and good. I love it. Okay, so let's get it from you. Stacy. how was the drive down here? It was really good. There was a lot of folks coming down today. So I just felt like I was kind of like in this little caravan and I was just like kind of like my brain. Obviously, I'm a social worker. Yeah. So my brain was like, I wonder what these folks are doing. Baseball. I'm like, yeah, like there was like <laughs> schools with like their little trailers going back. And like my brain was like, just like driving along. And I'm thinking, I wonder what road game they're playing. Oh, absolutely. Like, right. Legit. I just was like, that looks like really awesome. What were some of the road games that are fun to play on, on trips? Like, would you ever, right. Mm -hmm. Or would you rather, there's some good ones out there. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's get, what is your new and good? What let's practice a little positive psychology mm -hmm. You're a clinical social worker, so you got that clinical mind. You know, you know all about positive psychology. What's some good stuff going on in your life, Stacy? Definitely, this is a new thing for me, and I feel like it's a good thing. You're overcoming some fears today. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I'm super proud of you. It's been cool to watch. You're you're a little nervous, but but you're here. Yeah, and I love it. And and listen, it's always fantastic when we can get people that can come on and they can share on like topic based conversations. So I'm super excited for that. Any other, anything else that's new and good? Um, actually, I also picked up my wedding ring from Shanko today. Wow. Um, got it polished up. One of my diamonds fell out. So got a new diamond in it. Fantastic. So I heard you had a, a friend over there. I do. At the Shane Company? Uh, I was going to say his <laughs> name's Carlos. River Road. <laughs> I was going to say his name's Carlos. Six, the Sundays front, till dude. seven. Are we going to bill them for that free advertising, Sean? just part of our culture now. Congratulations <laughs> on getting the ring. Thank it's you. It's beautiful, by the way. Bless. Yes, yes. Hashtag blessed life. Yes. All right, Sean Denovan, let's hear. Oh, my new and good, I gave a seminar today. On? On the suicide of radio. Like, talk to me about that. What does that even mean? Man? The strengths of radio have now become its Achilles heel. So music used to be all radio. Now yeah. we can get music anywhere and everywhere. Uh, news and information used to be primarily radio. Now it's everywhere and anywhere. And now content uh, used to be radio. Now that's everywhere and anywhere, specifically podcasts. And the things that made radio great, radio really hasn't kept along with doing. So uh, mm. it's not the outside forces that are killing radio. It's radio from the inside not keeping up like it's supposed to. Gotcha. Mm. 
And in my, you're, you're in like my a, opinion. You're like a diehard radio guy too, right? Yeah. So that's like a passionate topic for you to do a seminar and on. I don't know if you could see this, but this is an email I just got from one of my former bosses who uh, who watched the seminar online. Yeah. He's like, I agree with you on everything and I disagree with you on everything. And I'm like, I might have to read this later after the podcast because it's kind of extensive. <laughs> I'm like, dude, whatever, man. He wrote you a novel, man. He that's did. not an email. That's a novel. He was. He, I think I pushed a button or so on him. <clears throat> whatever. 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 So that's my new and good. Now I don't have to worry about things. I can get back to life. Nice. Nice. New. And good. <laughs> he pushed the button. So well, that takes me into my new and good. My new and good is one of our sponsors is Recovery Strong. And Recovery Strong, uh, JJ um, Shaw and Jared Shaw, a couple of their buddies, they all came down. And in fact, I was late meeting you <laughs> because I was stuck in a meeting with them. So they invite me. So Jared Shaw kind of pulled a, a fast one on me, right? I mean, I'm a big guy. Like I'm not a marathon athlete. You know what I mean? And so he's like, hey, we're going to go on a hike. And before the meeting, do you want to come on the hike? And, and I'm like, yeah, great. You know, how long? And he's like, it's two miles. So first of all, if you follow Recovery Strong on social media, these guys don't hike. What do they do, Stacey? They run. They're like mountain goats. Yeah, they they are literally like billy goats. They just like go. It's crazy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, so and then the two miles, the two miles was just to the first <laughs> stopping point. The total mileage was six miles. Mm. <sighs> so I survived that. I'm a marathon uh, trail running survivor now. I'm so proud of you. I'm going to start that campaign. That's Look a real thing. Look yeah. at you. You're here. You made it. You I'm survived. glad I have a therapist to process this in studio yes. today. I will validate so much <laughs> of this. Like you tried a new thing today. I'm trying a new thing today. Look at us go, dude. I know. High five. Yes. Boom. Boom. Just got it. Go team. Awesome. So that's my new and good. I got to go trail running with, with uh, JJ and Jared Shaw. Uh, Recovery Strong. Love those guys. Just love everything they do. And, and so we, we might have some, some announcements coming up from Recovery Strong here soon. Cool stuff coming out. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm going to keep it under wraps. Before we dive into you, Stacy, we are doing a promo shirt giveaway. Okay, so here's the criteria. I will give you a free We Do Recover podcast t-shirt. If you go to any major podcast platform, subscribe, give us a, give us a review. I mean, we would love a five-star review, of course, but if you don't feel like we deserve five stars... That's okay too. I want it to be authentic. So go to any major podcast platform, subscribe, give us a review, and then DM uh, me on our Facebook page. That's We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Send me a private message and just let me know what size and where to mail it to. We've got a bunch of them. I'm, I'm trying to break the barrier and get an additional discount. So that's going to run through the end of the month. So it's not too late. Go get your, your podcast t-shirt. Free promo. We're just giving stuff away, Stacey. Dig it. Dig it. Dig it. So talk to me about, I guess we should probably get after it now, right? We got all the house chores out of the <laughs> way. They're not house chores. We love that stuff too, but okay. So you're here to talk to us about risk factors and warning signs and preventative. What was the other one? Preventative factors. Preventative factors of suicide, which I love it. I love when somebody can come on and share some content, but I want our view. I want our listeners to get to know Stacy. So I realize this isn't like a full blown, you know, like you coming on and sharing your story, but I want to get, right. are you a person? Let me just get straight to it. Yeah. Are you a person in long-term recovery? Yes. Fantastic. Let's hear about that. Okay. So <coughs> I'm in long-term recovery of 11 and a half years. My sobriety date is 11 and a half, 11 and a half. <sighs> Congratulations. Thank you. That's amazing. My date is, is August 29th, 2010. Talk to me about what was going, like, how long were you in active addiction and share as much or mm -hmm. as little as you're comfortable with? I realize yeah. with us clinicians, we have to kind of be careful because too much self yeah. self-disclosure can be a tricky thing. Mm -hmm. Share as much or as little as you're comfortable with. Okay. Well, what did that look like? What was active addiction for you? Yeah. So my, my life, my addiction, I was a troubled youth and I didn't get the help I needed when I needed it. Mm. And I was overwhelmed and I actually got kicked out of an LDS private school because I was quote unquote unwilling to learn. Oh. And I was a negative influence on peers 
because I was unwilling to learn. That's a heavy label. How old were you? Heavy label, right? <laughs> I was 15. 15. That is a heavy label for a 15 year old. Did you end up going yeah. to like a, a camp? Like, like no. last week, 73, our guest, uh, Tasha, um, mm -hmm. Locks shared that she went to like a, a, be, a be behavioral mod camp. Oh. Yeah. Did you do anything like that? Nope. So okay. I got kicked out of private school and then I went to public school. And while I was sitting in the counselor's office, he turned to me and he's like, what have you been doing for the past few years? And I was just like, oh, I've been going to school. And he was sure. like, you have zero credits. What? None of my credits transferred. This school wasn't accredited yet. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. And so I was like, did your parents know that? Nope. They had no idea. Nope. Wow. And so we were like, well, what do I do? Cause that point, like I was already like halfway through 11th grade. Oh wow. Like, so yeah. 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 15, 11th grade. Okay. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, what do I do? And they were like packets. And that's a lot of packets, girl. Oh, dude, I was the packet smuggler. Like <laughs> I talked to the packet smuggler. I talked to my teachers and I was like, hey, I have this packet. Can I do it while I'm in your class? And some of them were like really cool with it. So like, yeah, if you're doing like my history teacher was like, yeah, if you do like your history packet, you can do it in the back of class during our class. Because and so like I would be like shuffling like current homework versus the packet back and oh, forth, back and man. forth. And then like I had to do like the um BYU independent study thing, like where you like do it online and then go down and take a test. Talk so about like, pressure though. It was so much pressure. And so like I, I would be in school and like my classmates would be crying about one book for our current English class. And I'm there like, yo, I have to read Call the Wild, The Hatchet, these other <laughs> things. Like, I don't know. Don't and talk like, to me about your one book that you're working on. Okay. I'm working on three. Yeah. I was like, overwhelmed that was For to the sure. brink and like i just didn't have any coping skills like i did everything i could that was in my power to try and get caught up like i was staying after school i was like scrubbing beakers i was scraping mm. worm guts off of things mm. like i just had trying to get credits <laughs> i had a really cool math teacher who could see how overwhelmed i was and he would actually like hand me a sudoku puzzle and be like here if you do this i will give you 15 extra credit points and i was like done <laughs> do you remember the name of the teacher do you feel comfortable sharing it was frischnicked frischnicked mm -hmm. shout out to teacher frischnicked nick ray frischnicked yep. what a good guy yep yes the awareness to be able to see that yes. that's fantastic and he actually passed away Ah, so I do have an ankle tattoo of him in loving memory. Do in you really? Memory. I do. What is it? So his thing is a little B plus with a blood drop. Oh, she's got it. That's awesome. So his thing was when we're like, you could see you're like feeling like crap. He would just be like, remember my blood type, be positive. And so I it's love like, that. he was one of the few people I felt like could actually see how on my brink edge I was. And so like he passed away a couple years ago mm. unexpectedly got a rare disease and passed and so i was doing everything i could to just try and keep up yeah and it just felt like i was just drowning like i even like tried doing rugby to get my anger and aggression out and you know, that's like, yeah, it was okay. It worked a little bit, worked <clears throat> had. And then my brother was getting ready to go on his mission. And okay. I came home and he was zonked, staring at the ceiling and he got his wisdom teeth out. Oh yeah. I, I see what's coming. Yeah. I see what's on the horizon. He got his wisdom teeth out and I was like, just staring at him like, he was just like stone and out staring at a ceiling fan, like nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. he like, after he was like, yeah, it was weird. I couldn't think I couldn't feel like, I don't know. I was just there and I was like, oof. What did that do for you? Oh, my brain was like, Oh, I found my solution. I found oh, what man. I need. And introduce yeah. substance abuse. Yep. So what did that look like the first time? Stealing my brother's lower tab. Hmm. So your DOC was opiates. Yep. Okay. 
which is, listen, that's, I mean, there's a pandemic going on. Mm-hmm. People want to talk about COVID, but that, hey, there's still an opiate pandemic going on, everybody. The opidemic, it's real. Opidemic. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so you try your first opiate. What do you, and I don't want to glorify mm-hmm. this, so I almost hesitate to ask this question, yeah. but do you remember, like, I know one of the distinct things that we look for is, is around when we're, you know, doing our thing clinically, is what was the feeling the first time you took it? Because like some people take it yeah. and they feel terrible, right? They feel itchy. Right. They feel nauseous. They feel like they're going to throw up. Yeah. So obviously that person's not going to get mm-hmm. addicted. Right. So for me, when I took it, it was like every good feeling I've ever had in my life lumped into one. Mm. And it was just there in a pill. Sure. Every good thing that's ever been around in my life that I've ever felt just there. Well, and I'm sure too, like if I can try to put myself in your shoes, 15 year old Stacy just transferred schools, probably a social thing going on where, you know, you're wanting to make friends. You probably don't feel super accepted because you're in the new person in school in 11th, 11th grade. That's an awfully hard time to reconnect with people when there's only one year left. You know, you got all this, all these work packets going on. That's an amendus. That is in an enormous amount of pressure. I mean, right. I'm sure like, right. You, yeah. you were looking for a way to check out. You're looking for a way to kind of numb out. Yeah. So like I was 16 when I did first try it, like I, like my 16th birthday did pass and it was like, yes. Did that just sound like I was totally justifying substance abuse for people in their teens? It did, didn't it? That's that, that uh, didn't feel right. I'm just trying to empathize and understand. Developmentally, developmentally though, substance use experimentation is normal. True. Like, um, and this is how I knew that my substance use was different is like, you know, there's the normal substance use and then there's the addict substance use. I, so you, the next day mm-hmm. or when it wore off, you were like, I got to do that again. I, uh, after that, I was like, that was, that was so nice. Yeah. And like, it was like all I could think about is like obsessive. All I could think about constantly, <clears throat> like, when can I try this again? And then. Um, there was a guy at school, he was a big stoner and I was like, yo, I tried this. You got to try one. And I gave him one. He came back to me and he was like, yo, what's wrong with you? That was the worst thing I've ever had. <laughs> and I was like, and then he never talked to me again. And I was like, wow, yeah. um, not even cool enough to have the stoner kid hang out with me. <laughs> you know, though, it just goes to show different strokes for different folks, right? right? Like, Yeah. And again, I don't want, yeah. I, I really don't want the takeaway to be that we're glorifying this. Substance abuse Mm-mm. is a terrible thing, but it does happen, mm-hmm. you know, and it's understandable, especially, um, in other words, I'm not trying to co-sign that it's okay for people that are in a, your, a situation similar to you to use, mm-hmm. but I also want to like be understanding. Right. Cause you know? like you've, you've said before, it's addiction. It's not the problem. It's the solution. And it's like for a teenage me, I found my solution. Yeah. Everything else in my life was either stripped from me or wasn't working anymore. And Until that solution becomes the problem. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So talk to me about, okay. Yeah. So, yep, opiate, I get it, right? I totally am mm-hmm. here with you. Was there a point, mm. and maybe I'm fast forwarding too fast, but is there a point where you were like moved out of pre-contemplation into like contemplation? Like, I might have a problem. Mm-hmm. What'd that look like for you? So when it was like, I have a problem. Yeah. Like, do you remember specifically a moment when you're like, I, I can no longer control this. Yeah. yeah. It was like when I realized that I just couldn't stop obsessing about it. And so what age? I was about 17. So two years, two years goes by that you, this is just every, this is just normal. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I was told you're not going to graduate high school. Mm. And so, of course, when I hear things like you can't do something, I'm like, yes, challenge accepted. Ding, ding, challenge accepted. Ding, challenge accepted. So like a week before graduation, I got told that you're graduating. You did it. And I was like, sweet. But I didn't get a walk in my ceremony because I missed registration. So I didn't get a walk in high school. And then like after, like, you know, after all that, everything I was in high school is like, it really instilled this thought of like, I'm not enough. It really hit that hard. That belief was planted. Yes, because I saw Mm. like all my friends being like, yeah, I got accepted into the U. I'm going to Slick. I'm going to Dixie State. I'm going here, here, and here. And I'm like, cool. I don't know what I'm doing with my life and where I'm going. And I 
was like, okay, I'll do a trade. And so I enrolled in massage school and did massage school. But like while I was there, like before I got enrolled, I got a boyfriend and he was not a good dude. He actually followed me into <laughs> massage school. Okay. So there was domestic violence there. Oh no. And you know, it's like the more I realized. So he was almost like swim fan style, like stalker style. Yeah. Like, like he was, he was all about you in too much of a way. Yeah. Codependent. It was dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, you know, is realizing it's like, oh crap, what have I gotten my life into? What is my life? Mm. And then like, I was like still unable to stop. I luckily got Still away. using. Still using. Okay. <laughs> got well, away. listen, we don't make the best decisions typically when right. we're using. No. And we, we uh, don't always, right? Our frontal cortex is shut down. Mm -hmm. So like logical thoughts, like, hey, this person might be bad for me, typically doesn't register when we're abusing substances. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. And so like, um, luckily like broke up with him and then he actually threatened to blackmail me Ooh. on everything. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to beat you to the punch on this. And like, I went and I like came clean about my stuff and my things. So he's going to blackmail you about your substance abuse, substance use and anything else I've done. Hmm. Sounds like a great dude. Yeah. Real class act. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave him anonymous leave because him anonymous. we don't want to get sued on this He's podcast. He's in the past. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. So, and so like, oh, oh I was just going to say, so, so yeah, personal relationships are kind of in the dumps, not yeah, good stuff. Not good stuff. And then like, um, after I got him out of my life, I was like, great. And then I was still stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and did you, did you go to treatment? Nope. So what did, what did, what did getting into recovery look like for mm -hmm. you? So during that time, one of my nieces got really sick Okay. and she actually had kidney failure mm. and they didn't know what was going on with her and what the cause was. So she was in primary children's hospital for weeks at a time. So my family members were dropping their kids off with me and they would be like, Hey, you were asleep, but we just like pop the kids on the couch with some SpongeBob. See you later. Uh, and then it just was like occurring to me more and more. I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't just affecting me. It's affecting them. Somebody needs to be taking care of them. And I just couldn't. Yeah. And then I like one day, like I went in and like, I realized my nephew who was seven, eight at the time mm -hmm. was playing with matches while I was passed out. Uh, and yeah. you know, that was like my it's eye opening. It is. It's yeah. eye opening. Like you can't deny the evidence in front of you at that point. Yeah. So that was like my biggest point of like, I need to really change something because this is not just affecting me. It's not just impacting me. And so I was like, okay, okay. And then I just really hunkered down and it was really hard. I had to detox at home. My family didn't know there was so much going on. I didn't want to throw one more thing at them. And so I detoxed at home downstairs That's the, incredible. on the couch and in the shower. Just, I don't think people realize how hard yeah, that is. It was so hard. My friends would like text me. It was like, part of what I was doing is like, okay, I got to find a new group. Who are some like sober people? It's like the Mormon kids at Institute. There you go. <laughs> Hang hey. out with them, right? Change your social circle. Yeah, changing my social circle. And they like texted me and they're like, do you want to go to a movie? And I was like, I'm sick. <laughs> 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 and so it was just so much of like me realizing, you know, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. It's wreaking hell on my life and yeah. I can't have this. So you were actually had enough awareness to see the, the negative consequences that it was happened to your life, mm -hmm. put a stop to it before, before it got worse. Right. Which is pretty, pretty incredible. Like the fact that you didn't have to go to, well, you probably should have gone to I detox. It sounds I, like. I really should have, but we're not going to shoot all over ourselves now. Right. Hey, there you go. Thank you for catching yeah. me in that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> amazing. So is that kind of what, now I only have a minute left here, so this is going to be a tricky question. Is that what really kind of pushed you in the clinical direction? Mm, it was a real like snowball effect of everything 
Okay. Like I went to massage school and then was like, yeah, I'm tired of being a massage therapist. And then I jumped into being a personal trainer and was like, okay, this is fun. And then I got doing more like donation drives and community engagement. And that was like my catalyst into, I want to be a social worker. You know, the common theme between every single one of those that you just described is what? Helping. Helping people. Mm -hmm. Helping people. So it just makes sense that you kind of walked into that pathway. Right. This has been so much fun. Listen, everybody, I know that we've kind of teased you. We are going to talk about uh, risk factors and warning signs of suicide in part two of episode 74. We appreciate your patience, and we will be right back after this little 30-second sponsorship mention. Thank you so much. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become of the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. Well, we didn't get the Desmond Lomax video to play, but he just basically wants to I'll, let you... I'll edit it in, in post. Fantastic. So, Let's move past so, uh, that. So uh, according to everybody, it's already happened. So there what are you, you talking go. about? <laughs> I like it. All right. Episode 74 is underway. And before we get back uh, to Stacy, I want you guys to know that episode 74 part two is brought to us by the Hilton Garden Inn. If you're traveling through Southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities. And you know, Unfortunately, our guest hasn't been able to stay there <laughs> because they're so booked, right? That that army of cars that were going down to, to St. George, Utah. Oh, the softball. Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, they didn't have any spon sponsorship spots for us this weekend, but that's okay. We, we love them. Episode 74 is also brought to us by Recovery Strong. Recovery Strong is all about fighting addiction and strengthening recovery. Check it out. If you want to be a part of the movement, the recovery movement, to overcome the stigma Wear your recovery with pride. Go to recoverystrong.com. They have some really cool t-shirts, some really cool hats. They got some amazing sweaters. Uh, they got gift cards if you're just wanting to, you know, get a gift card for somebody for their birthday. Uh, they have really, I mean, check it out. So we showed the website. I got on a t-shirt today. It's a Recovery Strong t-shirt. I know Sean's deep over there. and Yeah, I'm, I got the Recovery Strong t-shirt we're rocking today. Brand new one. Boom, there it is. I'm like, yeah, it's on the screen, man. The guys are wearing the T-shirts. What are you talking about? I don't care about your underwear. What is going on? Uh, yeah, Solid. so so it, it is, and it fits nice. It's it's. I love it. They got good stuff. We got the Recovery Strong hat going on. Anyways, Recovery Strong, thank you guys so much for your sponsorship. Okay, so I asked you what kind of got you into becoming, because you're a clinical social worker, mm -hmm. right? You're a therapist. I'm curious, and we are going to get to risk factors and warning signs of suicide, but I just want to bridge this. How do mm -hmm. you go from, because listen, if, if I'm in massage school, right, going into therapies, it had to have been like intimidating, mm -hmm. right? Like, like, so talk to me about that. You've made the decision. You want to help people. You want to go into social work. What did that look like? Was school tough? Was it easy? Did you mm -hmm. have any parts where you were like, you know, your recovery helped you? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. Okay. So... I actually did try and go back to school back in 2011 when I was new in my early recovery. Okay. Mm, and I couldn't do it. Too so much. It, it was too much already. Like, it was just too much. And so I actually dropped out of slick. You know what? That, that's actually pretty smart. One of the yeah. biggest things that leads to a relapse, stress. Right. Stress is the number one cause of relapse. So it's cool mm -hmm. that you didn't relapse. You just dropped out. Yeah. So I dropped out and then um, I worked as a personal trainer for a while at Gold's Gym and 
Then while I was working there, I was organizing donation drives, doing community engagement stuff, pairing our gym with Gigi's Playhouse. So I was cool, making cool, it cool. more inclusive yeah. and environmental, like just community. It was amazing. Love it. And I was like, this, I like this more than I like my job. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then one of my friends who worked at the gym passed away by suicide. Mm. And that was also part of my catalyst because I was already thinking, I was like, I want to go to school for social work. And then it was like, yeah, I really need to do this. I want to do this. There's a need there. Yeah. And so. And that's why you're so passionate because when I talked to you about coming mm -hmm. on the podcast, you're like, I want to talk about suicide. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, so I get it now. I get why you're passionate about it. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, we don't just stumble into this field for nothing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And so, um, 2017 May, I re-enrolled in Slick, and it was funny because my transcripts from 2011 were still there, and it was like my GPA was like 0, 0.00, <laughs> and it was like all Fs tanked because I didn't even like be like, yo, yes. I'm out. I literally just like stopped showing up. I was like, yeah. peace. <laughs> bad idea. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. But like, funny now though, right? Because like none. I was like, you know, I was seeing a therapist. And she was like, I can maybe see about writing you a letter because you left for mental health concerns, mental health reasons. You had to leave so you could take care of yourself. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Please write that. Please write that. So she wrote a letter and they took that off my transcripts, put, just put it as a W so it didn't even affect my GPA anymore. That's awesome. I so, didn't even know you could do that. Yes. And so Man, you're teaching me all kinds of stuff. Just wait, there's more. Okay. <laughs> and so it was like a clean slate. And yeah. to me, it's like, that was a gift of recovery. Absolutely. That like, there's so many, that's a beautiful thing about recovery is there's so many gifts within it. And so it's like my clean slate at Slick was a gift of recovery. And so like, I went in there and it's like, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. I wanted to get my MSW. Mm. And so I treated my time in community college like I was almost in my own mini master's program. Nice. And so like, that's I, the, that's the mindset mm -hmm. you had going in. That's the approach that you took to take it serious. Right. Yeah. And so like I took every opportunity I could to learn. I did like the 40 hour sexual assault advocate training and everything I could like outside of school to learn. I worked in the field. Totally immersed yourself in the, all everywhere. of it. Yeah. Just yeah. bathed in it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. No, and, I'm, I, yeah. listen, you've got to be passionate. You've got to be devoted. You've got to be into it. Like, I, right. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. And so went to Slick and ended up actually getting like scholarships for it. And then when I transferred to the U, I got a transfer achievement award scholarship. Wow. That's a long ways from doing packets in high school, girl. Yeah. Long ways. And so like I did my associates in a year and a half and then I did my bachelor's also in a year and a half because I plugged in my summers. Wow. And I was That's like, impressive. and I was like, I want this. This is this is what hold I need on, to hold do. On, hold on. You went from doing packets in high school and barely squeezing yep. by to getting a bachelor's degree in 18 months. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it wasn't. No, it was It was 36 technically, right? Because it was a year and a half for associates, year and a half for, yeah. Oh, so, oh, okay. Yeah, so, I, like, so a year and a half, then the associates, a year and a half after the associates was the bachelor's. Yeah. Hey, that's still good. And they, yeah. It's I still impressive. That's, like, still it's, ahead of, that's still a year ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. For most it's people. Still, it's still like and a three years ahead of you. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And listen, it, it's it, not it proves a competition. because I'm, I'm, you know, oh, what did Ty Hansen say to me? Um, simple minded. I can't do math. It's fine. Totally Social fine. work. <laughs> You're built for it. There we Join go. Join us. Okay. <laughs> Okay, here we go. So, so, yeah, I hope to get on your level one day. Right now, I'm just a, an A Sudsy, but that, yeah. You know. And so, like at the U, I did the Sudsy program, and then I missed the um, master's program application by a semester for the U. And my plan was to go right into my master's. And so I was like, oh, okay, what do I do? And so I was like looking at other schools in the state, and I was like, nothing really was what I wanted it's popping out at you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started looking at like online stuff and I was like, okay, sure. Like Boise state online. Okay, cool. And like sent a picture to my husband and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm applying here. And my husband was like, okay, I wouldn't mind 
go into Boise for a year so you can go to school. Cool. If that's what you want. And I was like, oh, it's online. And he called me so fast. And he was like, <laughs> you have worked too hard to mm. settle for a school that you're not really wanting. And so I was like, okay. And then I got talking to one of my teachers at the U and he's like, I think a Jesuit school would be a good fit for you. And I was like, what's a Jesuit school? It's a Catholic school, Society of Jesus. Oh. It's like very engaged in academic. It's very thorough cool. academic. Way cool. So is that where you ended up going? Mm -hmm. Where was that? Loyola University, Chicago. Wow. And so Online or you went there, went there? Just wait. There's more. <laughs> yeah, because I got my acceptance letter the same week that COVID hit. Dang. <laughs> and so like they're like. So this wasn't too long ago. No. Wow. So they're like, our program is typically in person, but we're going to like make it online for remote learning. And sure. so it was still an amazing experience. It was everything I wanted. It was challenging. It was engaging. And like everything, like we talked about earlier, it's like it all came full circle. I ended up getting an academic scholarship for my master's. That's incredible. Isn't it cool when stuff mm -hmm. works out like that? So cool. So I like to chuckle. I'm like, yeah, I was told I'm unwilling to learn. <laughs> In your face, whoever said that, right? right? Oh, get it. Okay, cool. Let's, let's, we got Dive 15 in. minutes left here. And I know you got some education that you can share with our listeners. So let's talk about risk factors and signs of suicide. Mm -hmm. Now that people know that your path in, in getting into social work, why are you so passionate about it? Why am I so passionate about suicide? Yeah. Because yeah. suicide, it's about ending the pain, right? Absolutely. It's a hopeless Did you know act. I Did you know I had an attempt in 2014? I did not. Yeah, it's part of my story. But this is about you, so yeah. let's get back to it. So, yeah. This bump. Boom. Boom. So, I totally, yeah. I can totally relate, and this is passionate to me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really common in active addiction and recovery. It's actually part of our risk factors and warning signs. And so I'm passionate about it because it's a hopelessness. And I feel that the more we can understand it, the more we're able to instill hope. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So with my, with my little thing is I, I say this and I don't think people truly understand it. If people have been there, then they might. But I got to a point where I was so hopeless, I felt so invisible mm -hmm. that I was willing, I was willing to die for the chance to feel like I was alive or living mm. for something. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, t and it's, it's weird, right? It's a broken thought. Mm. It is. It's, but when you're in it, you believe yes. it. You just want the pain to end. Yeah. You want to feel like you're not invisible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not so much about wanting to die. It's wanting the pain to end. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So what are some of the risk factors associated with suicide? Yeah. So risk factors are things that can contribute to a potential attempt of suicide. Okay. Right. So substance use, history of substance use, right? Big, big, big risk one. factor. Big risk factor. We yeah. hear it in AA circles. It's like people are like, yo, I'm in long-term recovery and I would rather kill myself than go back to my use. And <laughs> yep. we see that a lot. Yeah. And I don't mean to laugh, but I've, I've, yeah. I, a time or two I've thought that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't need to be that way. And right. that's why I'm passionate about suicidology is I feel like we can build lives and a world worth living. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what are some other risk factors in there? Obviously substance abuse and you know, Mm -hmm. I was thinking this because mine, if, if my suicide would have been, if I would have passed, okay, I don't, mm -hmm. right? The terminology these days is just all over the place. Right. If I would have died by suicide, that's the way that I feel the most comfortable yes. saying Yes. If I would have died by suicide, um, it would have gone in the statistics as a accidental overdose. Right. Because I didn't leave a letter. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even talk about it for years after, right? Probably right. like five or six years after I, I kept that a very, a very, very tight secret. Um, I often wonder with all of the overdoses that we see, mm. how many of them weren't so accident. Right. And that's why statistics with addiction and suicide are so messy is because they can't tell what is an accident and what was purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what are some of the other risk factors? Is there a gender risk factor? Is there like, um, you know, like a big one I know, ASAM six, right? Like living environment. Like what are some of the, uh, there's yeah. gotta be some other risk factors in there. Yeah. So gender, right? There's males aged 45 to 64. That's a 45 huge, to 64. Yeah. That's a huge demographic. For us males. White males. Okay. Caucasian mm -hmm. males. It gets even deeper. Yeah. Caucasian white males. Okay. And why well, do you think that is? Well, there's a few different things. It's like, that's a very pivotal age. It's like 45 to what was 45 it to 64, 45 to 64. Okay. Cause it's like, okay, well, retirement's coming up, right? Empty nesting. What have I done with my life? Mm. You know, it's like, when do people typically have midlife crisis? Mm. No. Is it around 40? Would it be in their forties? Sean, yeah. do you think? It's around I've had 40s. three already. So uh, um. I was going to say, I'm like, I'm, I'm in my thirties and I feel like I've already had a few. I'm <laughs> just trying to correlate it. I wonder if there's some kind of correlation there between like when people start having mm -hmm. midlife crisis and, and yeah. you think you're Absolutely. having one, maybe when you're getting to be about 30, you're like, Oh, I'm old. And then when you're 35, mm. you're like, oh, I've already been divorced twice. <laughs> and then like when you hit 40, then you're, your body's like, okay, now stuff's happening. <laughs> oh, yeah, about Oof. 40, about, about 44, 45. And then it's like, I can't see as well. It hurts when I sneeze, stuff like that. That's that's a, that's, a, that's the midlife crisis. Right. So Thank you for it, giving me what I get to look forward to. The other two are just precursors. <laughs> but the third one is actually life smacking you in the face. So, mm. Sorry, I have, that's the definition I have. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Carry on. All, jo all jokes aside, though, there may be some truth to that, right? Like there may be some of that, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And then environmental factor is. What about females, though? Hold on. Let's pause for a sec. Let's put a pin in the, the gender or the yeah. environmental. What are the risk factors for female? Yeah. So females have higher thoughts and ideations of suicide. Uh, fewer attempts. So they think about it more, but mm -hmm. they don't actually formulate a plan yeah. or come up with a con like a, yeah. a way of doing it. Yeah, they don't act on it. Right. Huh. Yeah, they'll have like more ideations, but like fewer attempt. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And is there an age bracket for females? Um, I'm actually not too sure on that one. Okay, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so environment. Yeah, so guns in the home, that is a risk factor. I feel like that one's a pretty mm -hmm. pretty obvious one, right? Like right. if you've got ways, yeah, that's... Yeah, so access to lethal means, that's a huge risk factor. Yep, makes sense, checks out. Um, I think too, like I think about some of the, the suicidal um, assessments that I've done working clinically and like if they have had any recent loss. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? I mean, I don't know a ton about su suicidology. Um, did I say that right? Yep. Bam. Bingo. Boom. Score Look for Jared. Uh, why, why do you think that is? Like, is it just the depression, the grief, the mm. loss? Like, why is loss, recent loss, such a contributor to suicidal ideation? Yeah, because it's the bereavement is so painful, right? Suicide is about ending pain. So if you're experiencing pain from grief and loss, naturally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You're, and naturally you're going to be feeling in a tremendous amount of pain. Got you. Okay. Okay. So environmental. Yeah. Did, so, did we go over everything in environmental for risk factors? I think so. Okay. That's, I think that's also what's like a history. Off the top of my head. Cause like I wanted to go into that. It was like the history. Yeah. Like I, I know history of, of, mm -hmm. um, family. Like if they have mm -hmm. family that's had a history of suicide or suicide yeah. attempts, that's a contributing factor. Is there something genetically there? Mm, genetically, it's not so much that it's genetic. Okay. It's like there's a justification that goes on. That's so almost like, like a learned behavior or like. Help me understand that. It's like, okay, yeah, if they can do it, I can do it. Okay. Or, and then like the bereavement. Like an unspoken permission almost. Yeah, like an unspoken permission. That's why suicide loss is so difficult. And that's why it's a risk factor. Is because there's like, okay, if they could do it, I could do it. Got you. I got their pain, like they ended their pain, I can do mine too. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. It's it's a totally painful thing. Is there an association or a tie to, um, I mean, I, I think I know this answer, but self-harming mm. and suicidal ideation. Yeah. So non-suicidal self-injury. Okay. Yeah. How's that a risk factor? Because- 
when somebody like one of the most common forms of self-harm is cutting. Sure. Right. So it's a risk factor, but it's not a warning sign directly because what it's doing is cutting self-injury, non-suicidal is it's a temporary way to end the pain. Interesting. Some people will say, oh, because you'd think like most people, I'm sure that are listening to this would think self-harming increases pain, but we're not talking physical pain. No. So no. talk to me about why do you, if, if people are listening and, and this is basically like somebody speaking Japanese, they don't understand it clinically mm. like, like you do. Why would self-harming take away pain? Mm, yeah. Cause it releases the same chemicals in the brain, like all those good, feel good chemicals, dopamine, dopamines, like everything. Really? All those feelings of euphoria, <clears throat> everything. It all comes out with that release. And it's like a lot of people are like, Oh, I just feel so much better. It's like, like, you know, the pressure cooker on an Instapot. Okay. I love like the, the analogy. Little, mm -hmm. The little knob, right? It's like yep. I'm about to blow up. <sighs> Got you. Can breathe. Got you. And then, Makes sense. so that's like a temporary relief. Yeah. You know, some people will say, Oh, I self harm because it keeps me from dying by suicide. It keeps me from making an attempt. Got you. So I love the pressure cooker analogy. That totally made sense in my mind when you said that. Let's talk about warning signs of suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, and listen, I know suicide is kind of a heavy topic and I, and you know, I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing about this because it needs to be talked about. Yeah. Like it, it, especially with COVID passing and mm -hmm. people's mental health right now is just in the gutter. Right. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you see it. You work mm -hmm. in a clinical setting. We see it. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's a hot mess express. Hot mess express. Absolutely. So I love that we're having this conversation, even though it's an uncomfortable sometimes or difficult conversation to have. You looked at me strange. It's not uncomfortable for you. Oh no. I just was like, this is just, I, I swear I can have fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. So warning signs. If I, if I am a parent, a loved one, mm. um, and I'm concerned for a friend, what are some warning signs that I should look for? Yeah. Uh, if I'm concerned that there's some kind of suicidal ideation going on. Yeah. So there's a few big ones to look out for is talk. Like talk. With, yeah. If they talk like, ugh. I am so done with it now. Like, ugh. Yeah. like things like that. It's like asking about it directly. It's like, are you having thoughts of suicide? Just being directly upfront. Be direct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Say, are you, is that a form thoughts? now? Now I'm trying to play dumb just to, you know, mm -hmm. just do this role play with you here. Yes. So that would be considered a form of passive suicidal ideation. Yes or no. Just the mentioning. Mm. So yeah, it's kind of a passive and it's so like, let's, it's a let's pretend I'm a client line. of yours. Okay. I'm a client of yours. I come in, I meet with you, you're doing a biopsychosocial on me mm. and, and we're setting goals and I'm just like, I just don't have any goals, mm. Stacy. Like I, 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 I'm just tired. I'm just tired of everything. Like I don't even, I don't, I don't want to get clean. I mean, I, I, mm. you know, I, for what I'm just going to relapse again. Would, are there some indicators in that style of conversation that, that pops red flags for passive suicidal ideation yeah, to you. So I would ask, I'd be like, are you having thoughts of suicide? So you just be direct. Be direct. So a family member should take the same approach mm -hmm. or a loved one, somebody that cares yes. about somebody and, and has that concern. And that can be scary. And sure. How human, right? It's totally. <laughs> yeah. Like it's in our biology to survive. And that's part of why suicide is so difficult is because it goes against our basic instinct of survival. Yes. Yes. On so many levels. What are some other warning signs of, of suicide? Mm -hmm. So a really important one to look out for is sudden burst of energy and happiness. Hmm. Now talk yeah. to me about, talk to me about that. Why is that yeah. a risk factor? So if someone is depressed and they're low, they've had like a heavy depression and suddenly they're energetic, excited, bushy eyed, bright tailed, whatever. I don't yeah. I totally mixed up that thing, but whatever, no. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, you <laughs> suddenly they're bright eyed, bushy tailed, energetic. Yeah. That is a sign. And that's a warning sign of suicide because to them in their mind, they're thinking, I know that my pain is going to end soon. I figured out a way to make my pain. Mm -hmm. end. Yeah. And so it's like in their mind, it's like, okay, I have my solution. 
That one's a tougher one though, right? Right. It's a tougher one for sure. Yeah, it's often overlooked. What are some obvious ones as time's ticking down here, two minutes mm -hmm. left. What are some real obvious ones? Yeah. So getting personal effects in order, like so personal what, affairs, like getting things ready to like be ready. Mm. Like, oh yeah. So giving here's things a away. Yeah. Here's a sentimental thing. Settling on debts maybe. Yeah. Settling on debts, making sure like wills are in order, making sure like, okay, yeah, I got all this and that prepared. Yeah. Because that mm -hmm. it's a strong correlation with them beginning the, the ending process. Right. Yeah. I get that. Anything else? Mm. History of abuse is another risk factor that I kind of, we kind of like blanked over. Okay. Is history of abuse can be one of the larger risk factors. And if we think about like the statistics behind abuse and correlation with addiction, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody has addiction and abuse in their past, they yeah. probably are high risk. So it, we got a minute left here, Stacy. Thank you so much. You mm -hmm. have just been amazing. I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge. What would you, what advice would you give somebody who's, who's struggling or, mm. you know, is concerned? Like take us away in the last minute. Mm. Be direct. Ask yeah. them a direct question. Are you thinking of committing suicide? Dying by suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Dying by suicide. So dying by suicide. what I would want them to know. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that there's hope, you know, it's like, yeah, the world can be really difficult and it's not that you want to die. It's you want the pain to end. And the moment you're in right now doesn't last forever. No feeling is final. No. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. You did fantastic. For as nervous as you are, you rocked it, girl. You did amazing. Thanks, Omi. Join us next week for episode 70, 75. We're going to have fame on a local biker group. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.